It's time to write a new story. This is Success Stories with Madison Piper. It's the place where women discuss how to make an impact. Here's your host, Madison Piper. When Danielle Canty and Natalie Ellis decided to start a business on social media, they could have never imagined that it would grow to be the Boss Babe community that it is today. And I mean that literally because their business, Boss Babe, has reached more than 4 million followers across the world and supports women in business across the globe. So what started as a fun quotes page on Instagram grew to be an online empire that ambitious women everywhere want to be part of. This is where Natalie and Danielle support women in business, provide connection and networking and community opportunities for high achievers and entrepreneurs, and celebrate women as they help them scale in business to six, seven figures and beyond. So how do these two empowered women use their influence, their impact, and their platform to empower women? Well, today, that's what we're going to talk about. So Natalie and Danielle, thank you for joining us here on Success Stories. We are so excited to have you here today. Thanks for having us, Madison. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're excited. So today I'm really excited because this whole podcast is about women of impact. That's the goal. And the point is to talk to women who use their success to impact women in a variety of different avenues of success. But you guys empower women on such a broad platform. And I want to start from the beginning and ask you how you founded Boss Babe and what inspired you to do this in the first place. I think this is really interesting, actually, because Natalie and I come from two very different backgrounds. Um, ultimately, she'll tell you herself, she was a born entrepreneur. Natalie was selling sweets. She was like making sure, um, you know, she was having businesses growing from a very young age. And I was completely the opposite. I don't even think I knew what an entrepreneur was when I was at school. And I was on a very different trajectory, but ultimately, too, found myself in entrepreneurship in my uh, early 20s. And I think the reason that Natty and I connected so much was because as we were both on our entrepreneurial journey, we realized that actually it was amazing in so many different ways, but it was so lonely to be feeling like we were ambitious women who wanted to say, yes, we want to earn more money. We want to do this. We want to do that. We want to go and create something bigger than where we grew up or what we've known to be true around us felt kind of alienating in some ways. We kind of felt like, you know, hang on a minute, where are the people that think like us? So when we actually met in 2017, randomly at a Brendan Bouchard conference in San Diego, I was living in the UK at the time, Natalie was living um, in San Francisco. It was kind of like when we met, we started having these conversations and where we shared the vulnerability around how we were both feeling about building our own businesses, how the struggles that we were having, the feeling of like we didn't have anyone else to confide in. That's where things were really born because we realized if we were feeling like this, other women must be feeling like this too. And so really that's where the journey started. You know, that's awesome because I think that, I mean, you're right. If you were feeling that way, a lot of other women are probably feeling that way. And that's a really lonely place to be. Um, I think, you know, I've never started my own business, but with being Success Magazine, we work with a lot of entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and and that when you're getting your first like foot in the door um, can be really scary. It can be really lonely. You can be rejected a lot. It could really take a toll on your self-esteem. So you guys have really done a great way. I mean, I want to say, especially through Instagram, I know that you have a lot of 
other bigger business ventures. But I mean, you've got 3 million followers, 4 million followers across like all of your platforms that you reach on a daily basis and really have provided this community. So how did the community come about? Because I know you've got other things that you do at Boss Babe, but like, what is the importance of community in all of this? Yeah. Community is so incredibly important to us and it's the thing that we started with. So way before Boss Babe was a business, I was posting quotes on Instagram and I really didn't know where it was going to end up or what it was going to be. And the reason that we were interested in doing that is, again, there was no one out there like us. We were seeing all of these quotes and inspirational mantras on Instagram that were really men in suits. There was nothing that was edgy, sassy, um, feminine, powerful. And so we started very, very early. I mean, I think I've been posting on Instagram um, four times a day since 2014. It was very, very early. And we started to build a really, really big community around us from that. And it's when me and Danielle got together and started to say, okay, we've got all of these women. We're facing all of these issues. How do we build a business around this? But the business didn't come first. The community came first. And one thing that we've always done is listen to our community at every step of the way. What do you want from us? How can we support you even further? And as we've grown on our journeys, they've grown on theirs too and have asked for different things which is really how our business model is formed. We never got into this with this grand plan of what our business model was going to be. We got into it with let's serve and let's provide something that doesn't exist and see where it goes. That's really amazing because I like. I think a lot of people um, say that they're in it to serve others, but it becomes transparent that they're in it for the money. But your business model is so obviously, you know, created to serve your community and their needs. But you give them all of this inspiration and motivation on a daily basis to live unapologetically and be fully like authentic and, and ambitious. But what gives you guys the motivation? I firstly think there's nothing wrong with being in it for the money. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the only reason that you should be in business. I think if you are, then when you start hitting some road bumps, you're going to want to give up pretty quickly. Um, but first we're very unapologetic in saying, yeah, we want to build wealth and our big mission is to help other women build wealth too. Um, and so that's really what keeps us going. You know, we have like thousands and thousands of success stories of women who have been able to leave toxic relationships, quit jobs that were really unfulfilling and build businesses around their families or around their lives all these visions that they had of what they wanted their life to look like and being able to build really significant wealth because of it. And that's really what keeps us going. That's our big why. That's why we do what we do. We give away, you know, majority of our content for free. And the reason we do that is, listen, we're we're not here to say you need to pay us to work with us or to gain access to certain things. We have all of this information we want to give you for free. And if you decide you want to take it to the next level, we know that when people pay, they pay attention. And so we have a really easy entry-level membership. It's $35 a month. And we bring in, you know, incredibly successful women. We're talking billionaire women that most people will never get the chance to be in a room with. And for $35 a month, we bring our members in and put them in Zoom rooms with these women that have built billion-dollar companies. And that was really important for us. It was to be really approachable for women that are at any stage of their journey. And, you know, we have different products depending on how much support they look for, but that's always been important for us. Yeah. And just to add that, you know, there's that famous saying that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. 
And that can go in all different aspects of your life, but it's particularly true with wealth. And there's many reasons for that. It's like the connections that that brings. But one of the other fundamental parts of that is because of the mindset, the conversations that you have, the way you think. When you're having conversations with people who are like-minded and want the same aspirations as you and are asking the same types of things and thinking the same along the same line, when you can get in those rooms, you ultimately have the power to change where your life is taking you or to change the situation that perhaps you were born into. You know, for Natalie and I, we were born in small places in the UK. I was from a tiny little village. I, like I said, I thought the success was being a doctor, being a lawyer, being an accountant, whatever that was. I had no concept of what entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur was. And, you know, one thing that Natalie and I have always been very conscious of is how do we make sure those rooms are accessible? And that's what we realized. Well, we create them for people. If we can create the rooms that people can enter no matter where they're from, no matter what their bank balance looks like, that's why we create free content. That's why we do engagement in our posts that we do. Then we can allow people to start surrounding themselves with a community that also shares the same missions that they do. And when you empower people to meet other people like them, that has a positive a positive implication on them because then they can actually share resources, share mindset and realize that actually things are possible that thought maybe weren't before. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, we say that a lot at success. That's like a something we like to remind our audience of a lot is like you are the five people that you spend the most time around with, right? But I think in this digital age, like the accounts you follow, the media that you absorb, the information that you surround yourself with, and the the you know the communities that you're part of, like kind of play into that. It's not necessarily just like physical people anymore, right? It's like all of these different mediums that you are heavily involved with on a daily basis, like become part of who you are. Um, And Natalie, you mentioned that like you've helped people, you know, not only start their own business, but like escape toxic relationships, which is, is so important and is an entirely different conversation, but I want to emphasize how amazing that is. And I'm wondering like what for each of you is the most meaningful um, review or testimony or piece of feedback or like message that you've gotten from the boss babe community, a member of the boss babe community. I don't think I could put my finger on just one because we get them every single day through our emails and DMS. But the most powerful ones are when women come to us saying they were in a place where they had absolutely no confidence They didn't believe in themselves. They didn't think that what they were wanting to achieve was possible. And not only have they gone on to build successful businesses, but wildly successful businesses, changing their lifestyle significantly, building something that feels fulfilling and has completely changed the way they live. That's what's most important because when you can empower, especially a woman from a place of, you know, she wasn't feeling good enough. She, you know, was feeling like she's failing in all areas of her life. She didn't think it was possible for her to achieve success. When you empower a woman like that to completely reframe her mindset, be able to build something wildly successful, know that she's capable, um, instill in her the confidence that we have in ourselves, she is going to give that to so many other people around her. And so the snowball effect you can have through um, confidence transference is absolutely phenomenal. I love that. Danielle, what about you? 
I have to agree with Natalie. Like it's so, it, it's almost impossible to pinpoint them because we do get them so much. But just leaning into that again, it, it is not only do we get to affect one. So when someone joins our community, that's one person, right? But they might live in a family of two, of three, of four. And when you join the Boss Babe community and any of our memberships or whether you listen to the podcast or whether you um, you know, follow the Instagram account, I think one of the biggest takeaways that people realize is that they actually get to choose. They have control. They can take control of their mindset. They get to choose the life that they create. And don't get me wrong, some people have a lot, like it's a lot harder for some people than others, but ultimately empowers people to let them know that they have ownership, that they can do this and that they have a choice on creating change. And when someone makes that decision for themselves, and then like Natalie talks about confidence transference, people see that around them. They're like, oh, hang on a minute. This is possible for me too. And the, f- the message that always get me the most is like, hey, I did this. Then I inspired my mom, who is in her 60s, to start that business that she's always wanted to do since her 20s. Or I inspired my brother to go out and do X, Y, and Z. And it's those like you change families, you change by and changing like a family, you're changing a community. Like we get to change those little places that we were from in the UK or these places in America to help people think differently and not to buy into maybe the systems and the way that things have been done previously, but allow each and every single person to know that they can take control. The internet has allowed us all to take a bit more control of our lives and how we want to create freedom, wealth, whatever that is, that we do actually have the power for it. I love that. And I mean, like that, that snowball effect is so amazing because like this podcast is all about interviewing women of impact and you guys are making such a broad impact because you're not just touching the lives of one person and changing their lives. You're right. It's like their life has changed and then their mom's life might be changed or their friends or their colleagues, you know, could get involved. And like that confidence is contagious almost. Like once you help empower that within them, they go out and empower it with, you know, their community who does it with their community. And it just grows and grows and grows. It's really beautiful. Um, But with this confidence that you're instilling in people, there's a reason that you have to do it, right? Um, And it's because unfortunately, I think that we live in a world where um, a lot of women feel like they can't be loud, they can't be vocal, they can't demand their worth. Um, They have to live, you know, almost in a shell, right? they're, They're not allowed to be fully authentically themselves and ambitious. And why do you think that is? Like from your experience working with all of these people, what do you think the root of that is? I think it's a a long line and a long timeline of society conditioning. And I think one of the biggest issues that we have to conquer with that is media. You know, the narratives, um, even, you know, one thing that stood out for me, and I think you can deny this exists, but it does, like, you know, when the cancel culture that we have and how, unfortunately, men and women are held sometimes to different standards and the media perpetuates that. And when we're clicking on that stuff, when we're reading about that stuff, unfortunately, we live in a clickbait society. People will put um, headlines on to get views. That's how they get paid. So when we feed that, when we click on that, when we share that narrative, we're actually driving that narrative further. And I think really, um, you know, the media needs to be held accountable for that, but also us as consumers. Like 
being Natalie and I are always say we do we do business not drama and that's the way we choose to live and we don't engage it's really trying not to engage in those types of narrative but engage in the narratives that empower women that's all around you know collaboration not competition like let's shout that woman out because she's done something amazing not let's blast that woman because she made a mistake and she gets to learn from, she doesn't get to learn from that mistake so i feel like that's one of like the biggest challenges that we have is the media and our actions around the media and how we can you know lean away from that and actually lean into more be want to click on things that are more empowering for women yeah i i can't agree more danielle i think you know just looking at cancel culture will tell you how far we still have to go in society um or the way that men and women are treated differently you certainly don't see men being canceled in the same way you do women and a second thing i would say you know something i definitely experienced that i know a lot of women have experienced growing up um i often heard the phrase when i was younger um little girls are best seen and not heard mm-hmm. and it was very much around being well behaved not being too loud not being too boisterous being very polite i mean especially in the uk where danielle and i are from And I was not that kind of little girl. I was a very, very loud, boisterous, opinionated, direct um, person. And, you know, societal conditioning really took that out of me for quite a while and took my confidence out, um, that confidence out. And it it took a while for me to shed those layers and get back to what my authentic self was. And I think a lot of women have felt the exact same way. You know, they feel that if they speak up too much, they're going to be judged and thought of in a certain way. You know, if they are direct and assertive in the workplace, while while a man will get called assertive, the woman will get called aggressive. There's a really big difference. Um, you know, when a woman is perceived as being very passionate, she can get told she's angry. And it's, you know, it's very, very much perpetuated in the workplace. We see it very often. We see it in the media, like Danielle saying, and we have a real um, while to go. And I really say one thing that we can all do is when you hear that, always correct someone. You know, if someone turns around and uses those those words to describe me, I definitely turn around and correct them. And if I hear that being used of other women, I do the same thing. And and make sure we don't buy into that bias too, because we can often think that of other women because of the way we've been brought up. And it's important that we start to reframe and notice the differences. I love that. I think as well, just to add on Natalie, we all have a responsibility as women to ensure that we are lifting each other up. And that comes from as children, like how many women were called bossy as a child? I know Natalie and I've had this conversation. We were both called bossy, bossy little girls. My brother was never called bossy, mm-hmm. even when he showed exactly mm-hmm. the same personality traits as I did. He wasn't described as bossy. And I find that really interesting. So I think as, you know, grown women now, we get to A, control the narrative of the little girls that we bring into this world and how we teach them to believe in themselves and how they communicate and how we're addressing that as parents in society. And second of all, we get to support each other. So it's all about if you see another woman praising herself because she did something wrong, 
she's not big headed. She's not, you know, too full of herself. Like, oh my God, I love her confidence. Mm -hmm. I am so pleased that she can recognize that she's done such a good job. Yeah, go you go girl. You've done a good job as well. I can see that for you as well. Like there shouldn't, there is so much abundance in the world. And I think we should come from a place where we are not threatened by someone else's achievements, but we're inspired by someone's achievements. There is so much out there for all of us. Just because someone achieves does not mean they're taking it from someone else at all. And I think, you know, when we have that mindset, you know, it's very difficult to lift other women up. But when you can come from a mindset, look, we can all win. And we win when we support each other. We win when we shout each other out. We win when we boost each other up. We win when we you know, reach a hand behind us. Natalie and I are always talking about this. Jamie Ken Lima taught us this as well. I know she's been on your front cover, right? Yes. She was saying like, bring another woman into a room with you. She has done that for us and we will do it from the people behind us, for the women behind us. And when you recognize that, you know, the people that help you are not always the people that you're going to help, you get to pay it backwards in a way. I'll pay it forwards, whichever kind of way you want to look at it. But I think that's what really changes the narrative around how women are seen because if we can if we can curate a community that supports women then it should ripple effect into other communities from there and then into the media because then everyone's like oh there's not that clickbait so Mm -hmm. I think we all have a responsibility basically absolutely and I love that you both brought up the the double standards because I think that's something that's really prevalent in the world today especially in the workplace um like you said like I mean grown women not just little girls are referred to as bossy or, you know, bitchy, sorry, (laughs) we could bleep that out. But like when they're assertive and powerful and standing in front of the room, but when a man does it, it's just a boss. He's just a boss. You know, it's the, the, the idea around it, the way that we perceive it is so different. And that kind of, you know, dictates the way that many women and many of us go into a boardroom the way that we act, how loud our voices are, how much we're willing to speak up. So for the conditioning, though, that can be really hard to undo, especially when you've grown up around it for years and decades. And it's something that you've been taught since you were little. Like, Natalie, you said that, you know, little girls are to be seen and not heard. I know a lot of young women are are taught that. It's really sad. And that conditioning can be really hard to escape. So I know that we have to instill that in young girls, but how do you help your community kind of shift their mindset to escape the conditioning that they've been brought up with? One thing that we're really big on in the Boss Babe community, especially um, on the podcast, we talk about this a lot, is the idea of personal responsibility and doing your own work. And so, you know, instead of us expecting society to change or the people around us to change, We do our own work to be able to change and show up confidently in our own authentic way. And so what that will look like in terms of speaking up for yourself is when you do your own work around understanding, okay, who is my authentic self and and what is her voice? Because some of us will be very direct and some of us won't. And there's no right or wrong way to be. We're all just very, very different. What's important is we do enough work to understand what is our authentic self and how do we want to show up in the world? Not how do we show up in the world because of the conditioning we've been through, but how do we want to show up in the world? And then understanding if, we, if we're if we showing up in the world in, in the way that feels most authentic to us and we're doing it in a way that is, you know, in integrity and we're really happy with how we're doing it. If it offends or upsets the people around us, it's not our responsibility. And getting really, really clear on that. And when you let go of the need to please everyone around you or 
be well liked by everyone around you or appease everyone around you, you start to be able to show up in a different way. And I and I think that's been a big theme of what we teach a, a lot within Boss Babe and also just for me and Danielle personally, it's been a lot of our own work. Yeah. And just adding on to that, I think, you know, you're right, like taking that responsibility, Natalie. And then also just, I think a lot of people, this is my journey anyway. It was like realizing that I don't have to be perfect. I am who I am with the good and the bad. And the bad is just as valid as the good. Like you can't expect everyone to be perfect all the time. And I think when people start owning who they are, when you own something, you then can like change something. But if you don't own it in the first place, you can't actually change it because it's not yours to change. And I think that's like one of the key things that we really empower the community. Like, look, where are you now? What it, What do you want to, like you say, what do you want to change? What do you want to move through? But you have to own where you're at now, whether it's like the mindset or like physical, all those types of beings, but just recognizing that not everything has to be perfect. Everything has a journey and that journey is never ending as well. There's not like a destination that you get to like, oh, by the way, I'm a perfect person now. Or, oh, by the way, I'm a perfect life now. Like this doesn't exist. It's all just a journey. And it's just like being happy on that journey, taking responsibility for where you're at on the journey and also where you would like to go on the journey, the things that you would like to experience all along the way. You guys both brought up owning who you are, which is a great segue in what I want to talk about next, which is the topic of identity and finding and owning like your own identity when it comes to your personal brand um, and comes to yourself. But first, we're going to take a quick break. So we'll get right back to that. All right. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about identity because I think a lot of women struggle with identity, especially in terms of business when they're starting their own businesses or, you know, becoming entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and they, they can have a lot of different ideas, right? And it's hard to tap into who you are because you're so busy looking at who everybody else is. How do you guys recommend that new entrepreneurs niche down their own identity to set themselves apart and become unique in their business? So one of the things we often see hold people back is until they have the perfect identity and personal brand, they don't get started. You know, they wait until the brand is ready. They wait until they're really clear. And one thing we always say is, you know, as people, we are always changing. We're we're multidimensional. We're going to keep changing. We're going to keep evolving. And so if you're waiting to have the perfect brand to get started, firstly, you're waiting far too long. And secondly, um, I often frame it as having a niche and an edge because your niche is going to be very much the same as a lot of people. You know, whether your niche in business is to attract business women, um, stay at home mums, whatever your niche is going to be, it's very, very similar to a lot of people out there. What really sets you apart is your edge. And that's where your identity piece comes in. This is where those elements that make you, you, make what you do very, very different. And so when anyone's sitting with this identity exercise and starting to work out who they are on social, think about your niche, think about what space in which you want to play, who you want to talk to, who you want to support. And then think about the elements that make you, you. What makes you unique? What makes you different? What's important for you to share? And you'll probably have a list of qualities or a list of things that you're interested in, that you start to blend in with your content, your way of doing things. And that's how you can really start to set yourself apart. And I notice the people who have the strongest personal brands 
especially on social media, are the people who know what their edge is and they really lean into that. And I think as well, like, you know, recognizing that, you kind of touched on this, but recognizing that your identity isn't per, like permanent. I feel like some people get so married to their identity in the present. They're like, oh my goodness, like I have to make sure this is going to last me for like, if I say I'm this, I'm this forever. And it's like, not true. Like, you know, it, it's just like remembering that, you know, new like news passes so fast. People watch content in that moment and then it passes off. And yeah, like if you can build a really good identity, people know what they're coming to you for quite often. That's, there's a lot of power in that, but also that can change. Like think about the people that you've been following for maybe like five years, particularly if you started following a woman in when maybe she was 25 and then now she's 30 and maybe she's gone from being single and partying. And then she's gone to like getting engaged and finding a home and then she's gone on to have children like it's okay for identities to shift in fact that's what they do and it's part of the story like we watch films we watch soap operas characters change and they move forwards and they grow and I think that's one thing that a lot of people get stuck on is like oh my goodness I I don't know what to share because you know maybe this will be changed I might change my main mind down the line but it's like imperfect action is the key so just sharing where you're at now understanding what your edges are but I think the paralysis gets a lot of people and you know not posting at all is worse than posting something that maybe you'll want to be changing in 10 months time you know mm-hmm Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, perfection is just like perfectionism, they say, is just another excuse for procrastination, right? Um, And I think it's totally normal for brands to go through identity crises. I mean, I think every brand does, even the biggest ones that you tune into every day that you're a consumer of, like very often they go through puberty. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, I mean, they, they go through puberty. Like it's, it's, it's just what happens. And you have to be willing to adapt with the times when, you know, they're, new things that come out like TikTok, right? Like a lot of people probably didn't expect when TikTok came out that they were going to be active on it. They think, oh, it's just dance videos, whatever. Well, guess what? Now it's like arguably the number one social media platform out there, right? So what do you guys like, you know, in your experience at Boss Babe, like what are some of the big moments of puberty that you've had to go through and like, how did you overcome them? Oh my goodness. This is such a good question, actually, because I feel like, you know, as Natalie was sharing earlier on the story, you know, the way that Boss Babe turned into a business was very organic and listening to our community. And I feel like that's actually taken us down many different paths. Some have stayed with us. So we have the society Um, which is our membership for female entrepreneurs, which is the first main product that we actually created in Boss Babe. And that has lived through this. However, it's changed outfits. You know, I would think of it as like, let's say a woman, when she has a style, when she's in her teens and she's wearing Mm -hmm. a certain outfit, then she starts changing it a little bit. She might go through her goth phase, whatever, you know? Um, But it's like that. We've gone from one point, we call it one 3.0 now version of the society. And so there's iterations that have changed. Then there have been other things which have been like things that have come and go. Okay, I feel like, I love an analogy. I feel like if you think of Boss Babe as this woman, she's had like these outfit changes um, that have come and gone. And then she's also had the boyfriends that have come and gone as well. Sometimes (laughs) it's been a product that we've done for a little while and then it's not been a fit longer term and off it's gone. But I think the biggest mistake that a lot of um, entrepreneurs make is being married to their ideas too quickly, Mm -hmm. to feeling like they can't change. Um, you know, even COVID, that was a big shift for us. We were planning on doing events. We didn't do them. 
You know, they weren't able to take place. And when we did eventually get around to doing an event, it had to be a virtual one. So we actually, during COVID, when it first in 2020, was we did this opt-in called a pivot, don't pause, because the narrative was like, there's so much power in the pivot and business. And that's what I really think, you know, being a good entrepreneur is about. It's about trying new things, running with them. Great if they work and they have a, a long distance ahead. Awesome. But also if they don't, don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to shift the ideas because ultimately the stagnation will kill you. Like that's what, what a lot of businesses fail in because they aren't able to change ideas. They aren't able to move on. They aren't able to look at, like you say, what's coming, what's the next social media platform. And it's not about jumping ship, but it's about keeping eye on it and mm-hmm. seeing how that threads into the existing business that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with our brand, you know, from the beginning, I would say our values have always stayed the same, but the way that we present our values has changed. So when we first created Boss Babe, it was a very unapologetic brand. It was willing to say the things that other people weren't willing to say. It was often very tongue in cheek and very sassy. And that's something we've always maintained. Um, however, we've gone through so many different iterations, whether that be different logos, taglines, priorities, um, team members, so many elements of our brand's DNA have completely changed. But the the value and fundamentals behind it have always stayed the same. And I think that's actually been a really important part of our brand. And I think um, for a lot of brands, you know, having getting clear on that in the beginning and having that as the the fundamental thing that you always go off of, that being kind of your brand North Star is really important. A second thing is, you know, our brand has always been polished and my team will probably tell you it's the thing that annoys them most about me is how much I check everything to make sure everything's polished within the company and the brand. And that's always been the case from the very beginning because we know Boss Babe is a polished brand and what we put out there matters and how we do it matters. Whereas what we thought was polished five years ago we would look at now and think, oh my goodness, this is the worst design page. I've never seen anything so terrible. But at the time, we really put our heart and soul into it. And we've always believed in putting our best foot forward. And as you know, our team and capabilities have grown and times have changed, we've learned how to put an even better foot forward. So we might have been putting flip-flops forward, now putting Valentinos forward. <laughs> and we're constantly evolving like that. But like I said, I think it's really important that you have those fundamentals that stay the same. And it means no matter how, like Danielle said, no matter how your outfit changes with different brand colors and fonts and logos, people still know at the heart of the brand, it's what it was at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I really like the analogy that you guys have about like the outfit changes and like the style aesthetic changes. I think it puts it in a really good like visual perspective for people Um, because like I'm sure all of us, including myself, can look back on where we were 10 years ago um, and look at how we dressed and, you know, the maturity (laughs) level compared to where we are now. And now we're like, oh my gosh, like what did I, what was I thinking back then, you know, and the same goes for a business. And that's why you should just like, you know, start today with what you have. Like, don't wait for the person you're going to be in 10 years. Cause that's 10 years of missed experience. Right. Um, but I want to ask, cause you said, you know, your business has always been like a little like cheeky, a little sassy. And like, I really love the voice that you guys have behind your brand. I think it's what a lot of women identify the most with, because you're right. You say the things that everybody wants to say, but nobody really has the guts to say, you know, and it's with like a lot of different areas of life, whether that be in relationships or business or friendships and like your inner circle, whatever you guys kind of 
have a little bit to say about everything, but like, how did you establish your voice? Where did that come from? Yeah, the voice has always been a really important part of DNA. I would say, you know, firstly, it's definitely um, an indication of how we are. We're very direct. We say what we think and we're not afraid to stand up for things that we believe in. So fundamentally, I would say, you know, as founders, a lot of that has come from us. Um, And secondly to that, you know, realizing when we would put that content out in the beginning, realizing how empowering that was for women to engage with has, has taught us a lot. And we've played with different voice options and we've tried, you know, should we soften things a little bit? Is this a little bit too much? And the engagement drops significantly. And we realize, no, sometimes women just want that, like want that permission or want to see someone else doing it and just Mm want to say, you know what, that's exactly what I think too. I just haven't been saying it because I don't want to upset anyone. Um, But it really, it, it very much authentically came from us. And I think anyone Mm -hmm. would tell you it's probably how we are in real life too. (laughs) I love that. And I love that like you didn't soften it because like I think a lot of people with like your brand, they think these things, it's how they're feeling in the moment with whatever they're going through at the time and they just can't say it and they can't find the words and they don't have the confidence, but then they see you say it and they're like, you know what? I'm going to put that on my Instagram story right now. And it's their way of finally getting it off their chest and like putting the words out there. Like, you know, it gives them that release and like empowerment. So, I mean, I, I, I think what you guys do is is really, really unique. Um, and like you said, you're definitely one of the first in the field, but I can only imagine that, you know, when you become as successful as you guys are, as Boss Babe is, there are mm-hmm. like copycats that pop up. How do you deal with that in business? <laughs> oh, we have a lot of copycats. Yeah. I'm known <laughs> as the uh, legal hotline within, uh, <laughs> within our company. Um, yeah, I mean... The thing is, one, we never copy because you have to stay original. So if you are a copycat, it's going to be very hard for you to really grow that business into something significant because like we've just been discussing, growing a business takes ideas, lots of ideas. It's not just one idea. It's like the pivoting of those ideas, the shaping of those ideas, the corrections of those ideas. If you, as you've tried part of it and it's not worked and the iterations, that's what grows a business. It's like, like Natalie said, we've tried changing parts of the voice before those didn't work. And we're constantly looking into our insights, et cetera. So from one aspect, I'm like, look, copycats have never got anything on us because we've got the brains behind it. We've got the team behind it and we can push it forward. However, there are so many legalities that do protect people from being copied. And that's really important. Like there are copyright laws, there are trademark laws, all these pieces. And we are not afraid to send cease and desists. Like, I'm just going to say it very unapologetically. Like if people literally, there's been companies that will literally call themselves exactly the same as us, trying to do exactly what we do, or even have literally copy our pages verbatim and try and sell it as theirs. Like that's not allowed. There's laws that protect. And as a business owner, you you have to be wary about that because the last thing we want to do is to find out, you know, someone from our community mistakes one of these copycats and they're maybe fraudulent, takes their money, doesn't deliver. We really hold very, very dear to ourselves our customer experience that we create products that work. We are not in the business of creating products, just the creating products. We want to create products that help women change their lives, that help them build wealth. And it, 
we take that very, very seriously. And so that's the biggest thing that irks us about copycats is when they try and take stuff that we've done and they're not actually giving the women the resources that they need. And so that's why we're very protective of the aspect of it because we know that we want customers and our community to be able to trust us and know that when they buy something, they're going to get an amazing experience. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's like obviously the, the personal part of it, but there's also the legal part that does protect a lot of the time. Natalie, that unsexy sized business. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, listen, these copycats have definitely fueled a lot of the boss babe quotes that I've written. I will say that because the thing is, when you're a copycat, you're always going to be behind because you're waiting for the person you're copying to make the first move. And so that's one thing that's really important to remember when it happens to you. You know, it can feel like a gut wrenching experience to have someone copy work that you've poured your heart and soul into. And Maybe they design it in a way that looks a little bit better than yours. And you're like, oh my God, they're going to do so much better than me. And they've taken my idea and whatever. And it can feel really hard, but you have to remember you're the one that came up with the idea in the first place. And if someone is in a place where they have to copy, they ain't going to do very well or for very long. And we have seen so many copycats come and go. We've seen so many copycats fail and we keep doing what we do. We do it in our own lane and we keep our blinders on and we've stayed, like stood the test of time. So just important to remember that for anyone who's listening who does get really upset over things like that because we hear it a lot. Just stay in your own lane, put your blinders on. You're going to stand the test of time and you're going to watch everyone else you know, who is copying um, really not succeed. There was a really great, I had um, Louise Hazelon, who's an Olympic athlete, and she gave this really great analogy for people, which was like, you know, she was a um, heptathlete, so she would run, um, you know, do like 100 meter sprints, right? And she was like, basically, when you start running and you start on like the school level, there's all these thousands of people com- like competing. Then you get to the college level and there's only a few hundred competing. Then you get to the professional level. Then there's only like 20 or so competing. Then you get to the Olympics and you're in the lane with 10. That's the thing. If you keep pushing, people will drop off naturally because they do not have the tenacity. Mm-hmm. They do not have the staying power. They do not have the determination that it takes to get to the Olympics. And so that's one thing I would always just share, like I said, with like people like who are being copied, be careful of how much energy you put into that. Because if you keep running, like Natalie's saying with your blinders on, keep running, they will, they'll take themselves out the race most of the time. Mm-hmm. That's a really good analogy. That's a really good analogy that I think a lot of our listeners will really relate to because it creates that good visual that you're right. Like, you know, if you just keep running, you put those blinders on and you keep going. The people who aren't original in their ideas, who don't have, you know, the resources or they don't have the, you know, creativity to create this content, to, you know, come up with these courses and these, you know, funnels and business platforms and everything, they're just copying everybody else. Originally, they're going to run out, right? So they're going to fall off the wagon. So, um, no, that's a really great analogy. I really like that. Um, before we wrap up, because I want to be sensitive to your time and everything, I want to ask you both. I know that we've got a lot of women who listen to this who are really looking for inspiration and almost permission um, to go out there and like start you know, their own story, create their own story, right? But they might be afraid um, to take the first leap of faith. That first leap can be really, really scary. So I want to ask both of you, what gave you the motivation to take that leap uh, to create Boss Babe? For me, the motivation was, I remember, and this goes way before Boss Babe, this was for my first ever business. You know, I was deciding between taking a graduate job or going into business. You know, there was the secure, stable option or there was the really uncertain option. And I remember a friend saying to me, what's the worst that can happen? 
And I realized the worst that could happen is I would be in the situation that I'm in now. And for me, that's really scary to not be growing, to not be learning, to not be ahead. And so I took the leap and I did it. And I've continued, you know, every single step, no matter how successful you are, how established you are, there's always going to be that fear. And if you can't get yourself in the mindset of being able to walk into the fear versus turning away from it, you will get stopped at some point. So my biggest advice is, you know, stop waiting for permission. Just take the first step and start going in the general direction that you want to be. And you'll eventually find that success. That's really powerful. Mine is similar to Natalie's where the thought of not creating change was so painful that I had to create change. So I was in a place where I had a business at that time. I was a chiropractor and I was working and my my life was governed by 15 minute appointments in the same time in the same place. And that became so painful for me that the thought of stepping into the online world, putting my face on social media was also equally as terrifying. However, the fact that I had hope that that would change the situation I was in was motivating enough for me to, I didn't even really have a social media account at that point. It was, it was, it was motivating me enough to try something new, to be okay that, you know, I might not get it right the first time, but every time I at least tried, I would get closer and closer. And so sometimes I think the motivation for people is the why and, oh my goodness, if I do this, I can achieve X, Y, and Z for me, my family, and for everyone. And for other people, which was the case for me, the motivation was if things don't change, what then? Like I can't, Mm -hmm. I have to move from this situation. So I think there's like moving away from the situation and moving towards the situation, two different motivators. For me, it was like I had to move away from that situation. And I think either one, just really tuning into that. And I feel like ultimately fear is just a worry of what ifs. This is just a collection in your mind of what might happen. But also so is excitement. So is hope. It's just the change in the narrative to how you process those what ifs. And I started to choose to, like I choose to process the what ifs versus the fears. I love that. Both of those stories are really, really powerful. And I appreciate you guys um, sharing them with me and with our listeners. Um, I know that they probably are gonna wanna hear more from you. So I wanna ask you guys where they can find you both and where they can tune into more Boss Babe content. Yeah, probably the best place to find us is our podcast. You can search for the Boss Babe podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And then on Instagram, we are at bossbabe.inc. And then I am at I am Natalie. And I am at Danielle County. <laughs> well, Natalie and Danielle, thank you guys so much for joining us here today. You guys are two amazing women of influence and you have made such a huge impact on women everywhere. So it's been an honor getting to talk to you guys and learn the story behind Boss Babe and get your advice and, and just have you impact the lives of everybody listening to this podcast and using our platform to, to do it. I really appreciate y'all coming on here um, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks. All right. This has been Success Stories with Madison Piper. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop a review, and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.